0: Welcome to another episode of Possum. Uh, my name is Bandit, and today I've got a very special guest. It's not someone in our group, but he is definitely someone you might have heard of, and you haven't yet, you will. His name is Eric Risher, or Ash and the Furry Fandom, and he is responsible for the production of the Furries documentary. Not to be confused with the Fursona's documentary, but nonetheless, a very great film. Ash, how are you doing today?
1: I'm great, thank you. I appreciate you having me on the show.
0: Definitely. So... Just to go back a little bit, just to describe yourself a little, your fursona, based on the icon I have here on the call, it's an avian fur, so.
1: Yeah, I'm an an eagle, actually.
0: What got you in, uh, before we talk a little bit about the film that you made, talk a little bit about where you stand in the fandom, like what got you in, your choice in the fursona and such.
1: Oh, I think I've always been really big into animals, Uh, like Growing up, we had, like, a ton of different animals around the house. My dad is actually a, a snake breeder, so we had, like, a ton of, like, reptiles. Um, We had, like, big, like, fish aquariums. We had cats and dogs, like, all kinds of different things. So I was always exposed to animals at, like, a young age. Uh, but then also, like, growing up, I think there was a point in, like, like high school, like, English classes where we were talking about, like, uh, personification as a, as a vehicle for uh, storytelling and that's something that I always like found to be really interesting. This uh, applying human traits to things that are inherently not human as a way of kind of exploring hum- uh, humanity, and uh, that just always like stuck with me as something that uh, is a really powerful tool for storytelling. And um, when I discovered the furry fandom, it was sort of doing that. It was kind of appreciating these sort of like tr- uh, tropes that I've seen in like a- in animation and and in like uh, literature. Uh, so I kind of like gravitated towards like the same things that furries are interested in, but then also uh, when I found out that people would create a character that represented who they were as an individual, I'm a sucker for that kind of thing. I, I just had to give it a shot. I, I kind of just picked it, a species that I felt was right. Um, I, I don't really have like any special like story to kind of uh, zero in on like how I determined that an eagle was going to be me. I sort of like retroactively. Uh, apply characteristics to him, like, oh, I'm a filmmaker, and uh, an Eagle has, like, you know, sharp vision, and so he's kind of the, this observer, and, uh, you know, as a documentarian, I, I think it's important to kind of, like, be, you know, like, aware and conscious of, like, what's happening around you and people and interactions and that kind of thing, and and sociology is always something that's fascinated me as well, so I, I guess it's kind of uh, just what makes sense. I, I want to say I've been a furry since around, like, 2007-ish.
0: That's that's a long that's a long time for a lot of people. Yeah. So that's cool to know. I didn't know that you were in the Phantom for that long, but I mean now that I know that it makes a lot more sense as to, you know, how passionate you were, the work that you put into this film and how much you put into it. Like that that makes it even more phenomenal to know about. In your film there was a part where uh TJ, his fursona was a rat, and there was one part where they were he was discussing with another furry that it's like sometimes you don't really pick your persona, it picks you. And I kinda like that because it's it is it tends to be true for a lot of people. Like some of them will like just pick it based on like the characteristics of the animal, they'll pick it because it is their favorite animal and they'll probably identify it with it in, you know, many, many ways.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of this weird like typecasting of animals where uh, I think culturally we sort of associate certain human characteristics uh, already with certain species. So you kind of get this idea of like, uh, I, like if someone tells me that they're a wolf, um, I have an idea in my head of like what that means as opposed to someone telling me that they're a mouse. Um, like just because we sort of like apply different kinds of attributes in like fables, it, but also just kind of like like ritualistically over time whenever we portray these characters in artwork uh, or in films, or that kind of thing.
0: Now that we're kind of drifting into the film itself, mm-hmm. um, what sparked the idea? Now, because it seemed like when you were talking about yourself, it was kind of like one of those just developing over time. But like, what gave you the like that idea in your head? It's like I want to do a film like this.
1: Uh, I I don't know if there's like a singular moment. I just had a lot of really positive experiences um, growing up and kind of like developing my identity as a furry. Because I I think I encountered the fandom in my early college years, sort of around the time when I was, uh, like, living on my own, like, away from, like, family for the first time, yeah. um, I was going through, like, other, like, identity kinds of, qu- like, uh, our questions, like, I was, like, coming out of the closet, I, you know, was learning to, like, be, like, what it meant to be, like, an adult and, like, living out in, like, the world and, like, on my own. The... People that I met who uh, were in the fandom were just really great positive influences on me. They opened me up to like a lot of new ideas, uh, a lot of new experiences, and I think that all contributed to like how I kind of developed as a person. And I sort of saw, see the film as a way of kind of like it's my artistic uh, means of giving back to the community that gave so much to me. Um, Because when I see the fandom portrayed in media, it's so often uh, narrow in its, like, viewpoint of what the furry fandom is. And um, so much is eclipsed by the way that it's presented. And I wanted to create something that would show a much broader picture of, like, what furry can be.
0: There is a scene where instead of of being a, a child or teenager coming out to their parents about them being in the fandom, it's a parent. And their child doesn't know about them being afraid because they're, they're very young and she's thinking, well, when my son's older and ready to know about me as a person rather than just a mother, you know, that she'll feel like it's time. But she she expressed concern. She wasn't sure how her son would view her because of that discovery when it would happen. But she would, she was optimistic about it. She said, like, you know, hey, if, you know, he ends up falling into it later. You know, it's something we can really bond over. And I I really like that because, you know, it's we never really hear about any parents that are in the community and have a supposed, like, you know, dilemma on it. And the other people in the community that would see this, I think it's probably going to be an eye-opener to them because they never would have thought about that. Another thing that I liked about it was when you included someone who was really, you know, Really big fan of squirrels, but she didn't want anybody to walk in her home and like just point out the whole furry thing or make an assumption on it. She just wanted people to react by saying like, "Oh wow, you're really into squirrels." It was it was kind of like, you know, having a different cover to it rather than just having the whole like furry thing being extremely obvious. Because I mean, most people in the fandom don't want to identify as a furry to just anybody because I mean we've had ridicule placed upon us due to various media outlets. And I, you covered actually a few that I didn't even know were on there. Like I didn't know. ER did this I didn't know I think it was what was it entourage yeah, yeah I didn't sure. know entourage did that either I knew about uh, American dad family guy and I knew about CSI I didn't know uh, that the Phantom was portrayed there and then when the um, Vanity Fair those articles I remember seeing I think I was there like I'd see in the room when you were um, showcasing the film I think I was there to see that part and even I was just like man I can't believe every page has to do with the aspect of the family that people don't want to discuss that's it's not the main aspect of who we are i mean undeniably yes it does come into play in some aspects like every other you know community in life but they exaggerated it and it really affected people in the community so it's like for anybody else who's watching that it's like a way of showing them like we're just a simple community but we still have people who just you know they don't want to look at it that way they they can't accept that it's just not that bad you know
1: yeah well I think for so many people furry is just a single component that makes up the greater whole of who they are and for that one component Um, to be pushed to the forefront in such a way that kind of like demeans them as an individual in the eyes of like other people uh, is really unfortunate. And I think that people shouldn't be afraid to express their interests and their hobbies. And and, and there's some furries who like don't go to conventions and they don't um, necessarily want a fursuit, but they still identify as a furry and that's okay. Um, But they're afraid to bring up that interest in conversation because they're worried about the way that the public is going to treat them just because this you know component the, the, the sexual aspect has been like pushed so hard by the media and i don't necessarily have a problem with people thinking that furries can be sexual but when they focus on that exclusively it really overshadows so much that's going on in the community that's really positive it really ignores how the community can help people grow and uh like learn about themselves by this process of kind of like looking into who you are as an individual and seeing like, what qualities are true for who you are and, p- and putting them into like, a, a character. I think that's a really like, great exercise uh, for anybody to do.
0: Now, another thing I wanted to ask, the people who showed up in your film, did you, like, just... Did you already know them for, like, a while in advance already before getting into this film? Or were these people that you approached and offered to participate in the in the project itself? Like, I, like, I, I want it, Because these people... Everyone that was in that film that you interviewed, they all seemed like really, really nice people. And it's like, I... I, I, I you know, I kind I related to a few of them, especially the one who... I, I feel like this is TJ, but I might be getting the name wrong. The one who... He didn't go to an event and had to have a friend kind of, like, you know... Push him to go, because otherwise he would have never gone. He was just kind of stuck to it online. Like I really related to that. But back on the subject, um, how did you know them or get them involved in the project?
1: Um, I did know some of them ahead of time uh, from my own participation in the fandom. Some of them were friends um, that I approached, and I was like, "Hey, I'm doing this project. Would that be something that you'd be willing? Like, uh, would you be willing to do an interview? Uh, could I follow you around at this convention? Uh, you know, stuff like that." And a few of them were people that I just kind of, like, encountered, like, along the way of making the film. And, uh, like, TJ, for, for example, uh, the person you just referred to, uh, someone on my uh, in my university said, Hey, um, I know you're making this furry documentary. There's, like, a, a guy in my class who's a furry. He's, like, talked about it. Uh, would you like me to put you in contact with him? And I spoke with TJ a, a little bit online, and I found out that he was... Pretty new to the community, he hadn't gone to any like fandom like events or gatherings or cons yet, but he was hoping to in the future. And I was like, ah, uh, this is great! Like this is like a really great way to explore like the, the process of like discovering the community and kind of like uh, getting your foot in the door and, and finding a, a like your way in, and. I met up with him and uh, he gave like, a really great interview and um, I continue to follow him uh, since then to just to kind of explore his story and, and that's also uh, what happened for for Nila, who is the the parent you were referencing earlier, the one who said that she wasn't sure how to like talk to her son about uh, her
0: identity. With all the filming that was going on, how long did it actually take you to produce this film? Like in total time, like how many months or year? Oh, gee, <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: longer than than I would have liked. Uh, I was working on it over a span of four years, but not necessarily working on it constantly during that time period.
0: But over the it oh, for in total, like it was being worked on for about four years.
1: It's somewhere in there, yeah. Um, that is I-
0: crazy. <laughs> Wow, I I I would have thought like maybe like, you know, a year or so like or like the very most or least 6 months, cuz I mean for some people that's all it really takes but four years like you really were putting thought into this and i'm guessing just with everything else else was going on in life like you didn't have as much time or maybe it just wasn't hitting you as soon as you wanted it to
1: i mean there's a lot of big things going on in different stages of my life it as i was making this film um i i worked um i, I was able to work on uh two feature film sets uh for studio films and i was able to um, move from my uh, college town in Ohio across the country to California, and that was a big adjustment. But that also meant a lot of time um, focusing on other things. So I'm definitely not the same person as I was when I began the project, but I think that over time the film evolved, and the other projects I worked on on the side uh, helped me grow as, as a filmmaker, and, and I think that um, that influenced my ability to pull this together in the end
0: so for those of you out there who have not yet seen the first documentary i definitely recommend that you check it out you can get it on dvd and you usually sell it at cons at your own table you have the trailer pinned up and everything everything neatly displayed so for those who happen to see him at an upcoming con like pancathro and fc be sure to definitely give the film a try and if you guys want to follow eric Risher or ash on twitter you can find him at furry filmmaker so keep up to date with him chat with him and such and, you know what, I think this was a fun interview. actually glad I got to talk to you again because the last time I chatted with you was briefly at Califer and more so at BLFC. So, with that, um, we are going to cut it here today. Um, remember, for those of you out there who would like to be on an episode of Possum like Ash here, um, be sure to go into our website at theraccoonsden.com. And I know we have the topic set for Convention Prep 101, so we're probably going to end up getting that one out of the way next when we have our next guest on here. If you guys want to see more episodes like this one be sure to subscribe for more like it if you enjoyed it and comment and let us know um what you guys thought of the film because well i think eric will be checking back on some of the comments here too so yeah and we will see you guys next time